All right, so I'm gonna take a minute to talk about something that everybody wants to dive into and absolutely nobody wants to look into, all right? So I've heard a lot of people when they start out, you know, hey, how can, how can I make my rituals more powerful? How can I make my, you know, how can I make my dedications feel more real? How can I, you know, take that next step to where everything is, you know, everything's that much more intense you know and a lot of it a lot of that problem that they're having is normally just in they can't focus on the outcome okay so being able to focus during your ritual working comes from meditating and owning your practice you have to own your shit if you don't have if you don't have a natural ability to be able to focus in what you're doing, you need to hone that, okay? There is no such thing as I can't focus because my body doesn't let me. That means you're lazy. That means you don't wanna work on it, okay? That means you don't wanna take the time to actually learn how to focus on one subject or on one, you know, on one situation for, you know, however long it takes. You know, rituals normally can take anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what you're doing, and you need to have that focus during that entire ritual because there's, you know, there's a reason that you're there. There's a reason that you're, that you're standing at your altar and that you're not you know, out in the world you know, taking, this, taking it head on you know, because sometimes you just need that little bit of a push to put you in the right direction, and I get that. You know? And there are some times that you, know, you do need that little extra kick when you're working with some more some more serious or some more in-depth you know rituals so i 100 percent get it and so i you've you've probably gathered it but i'm talking about working with blood okay so working with blood is always intense always 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 intense so when you when you're working with blood you're taking everything that is you you're taking the most basic component of what you are and you're putting it into what you're doing right so the reason for using you know specific body fluids whether that's blood whether it's urine whether it's spit whether it's you know uh, you know whatever it is it's it's always gonna be for a very distinct reason if you don't know what that reason is and you need to look it up, you're not ready to do this. You need to take a step back and realize that there's a whole world out there that you have not seen, and this is not the part of it that you need to dive into willy-nilly just off of a whim, okay? So when you're getting into hexes, curses, love magic, and bind spells, and you know, um, hand fasting, all of that good jazz, when, when you're getting into that and you're actually taking that, you know, that serious of a commitment, you know, you have to realize that blood bonds you to whatever work you're doing, okay? That's a blessing and it's a curse, all right? That means that anything positive that happens in that, in that casting, you're gonna feel. Anything negative in that casting, you're gonna feel. When I've done, you know, a handful of curses that, you know, I, I use blood on because I want to have a direct connection to what happens. And I want to know when, 
you know, that when that work is done, you know, when either the, you know, the pain begins, the suffering begins, the death begins, whatever, whenever that downward spiral hits, I want to know. And I have put myself in a position where I'll feel it all the way through just because I want to know that what I'm doing is not only working, but it's effective, right? And I have a little book, everything that I do, everything that I talk about, everything that I work with, every ritual that I do, every word that I say, every single outcome that happens to those people, I keep it written down. Every rune reading I've done is written in this book, okay? This is a very sacred book and this book stays near my altar, okay? Nobody reads this book. My wife does not read this book unless, you know, there's something in it that I distinctly give to her and say, hey, can you check this out? My mead recipes are in this book, okay? So I recommend everybody have a little book, not necessarily a book of shadows because that's some fucking hippie bullshit, but, you know, have a notebook that you keep all of your stuff in, okay? Whatever you want to call it. But um, whenever you do use blood, you're going to feel it, okay? You're going to feel their side of it as well. So every time I've used blood in a ritual, it takes a very emotional turn, okay? And I'm not a very emotional person all of the time, okay? So, or even very often for that matter. So it's, it's really weird for me doing, doing stuff with blood because I feel everything, right? And it, it makes me connected to the outcome more than sometimes I'm even comfortable with. So when, um, when I was working with blood for the first time, I took an oath, right? And when I took this oath, it was on New Year's. I was over at my priest's house. And they had an oath ring that was going around for our dedications, right? And, you know, that's something I'm, I'm really big on. I actually like the fact that we did that on the new year, right? Because it, it, it gave you a goal for, for the year ahead, right? But it's not something to take lightly because you are absolutely enveloped in that oath if you take an oath on a ring because you bloodlet the ring. And your oath is sealed in blood. So... When you work inside of a blood oath, you're going to be tied to that oath on a very, very high level. If you quit working towards your oath, you will feel it. You'll feel sick. You'll feel like you're broken, like you just don't wake up. You're tired all of the time. You can't focus on anything. You're scattered all over the goddamn planet. And when you finally get back focused, it's like everything just snaps back into gear, right? It's the craziest thing you'll ever feel in your life. But if you've taken a blood oath, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, you have no idea what I'm saying right now. So I'm just going to leave that to when you're ready to try it, know that there's going to be a brand new feeling that you've never felt before. And I've, I've never felt it outside of a with all that said, working with blood is not for the faint of heart. Um, it involves a lot of focus, a lot of dedication, and a total immersion into what you're working with. So you'll have any person involved in the casting linked to you or linked to the outcome, right? So linking yourself to another person allows a small amount of influence over them if you know how. It, that comes with time. It's not one of those things that you build right off of the bat, but you'll see it. Right, so by this point, you've probably already worked it with control before, 
And if you're at the point of using blood, you should definitely be a lot more advanced than just, you know, I, you know, I'm thinking about this might be where I need to be. Like that's not, that's not the case at all. So with that being said, control is different since it'll mainly just be suggestion and dropping a thought or maybe even showing up in a dream rather than by force. So sometimes it works, but the link is the link's not temporary. It'll create a direct a direct link between the two of you and it's inseparable, which is why me and my wife used blood as our offering during our hand fasting, which went into our sacrament oil. So where you pull the blood from also has a significant in the ritual. So Pulling blood from the lips is for controlling speech or love magic and pulling blood from the fingers where I typically pull from helps with control. Um, usually it helps you control everything that happens inside of the ritual. So if something isn't happening quick enough, you can kind of work your, work your way in and kind of weasel into the middle of it and kind of speed it up a little bit once you've gotten a little bit better, right? Once you've actually done this a little bit and you know how to kind of work your way in, really um, stealthy, I guess is the word for it. But, you know, I don't think it would have a negative impact if you pulled from the wrong spot. It just won't be, you know, as powerful as possible. So working with blood, though you look for the most impact possible, it, if, you, if you put the intent there, you're going to have a solid outcome. So when working with necromancy, you've got to pull from multiple spots since you're going to be working in, you know, bringing something back. Right. So when you're working in bringing someone from, you know, from another realm or if you're working in major health spells or rituals, then you really need to know a lot more about what you're doing than just, you know, I do this on the weekends so that people think I'm cool or I'm in high school and I want to show my girlfriend that this stuff actually works. That's not the time. That's not the place. Just don't do it and you're going to be better for it. If you're dealing with necromancy and you're looking into how to work with blood, you need to take a step back. Okay. A lot, a couple steps back. You've stepped so far over where you're at that you sincerely need to check your fucking life decisions. Um, you need to grasp every aspect of what you're working with before you start working with blood. And you can't grasp a, a heavy amount of things in your first year. You can't grasp a large amount of anything in probably your first five years. I didn't start working with any kind of blood or with any kind of, you know, control or anything like that for probably 10 years, 10 years after I started working or actually after I started actually using this. So it's definitely not something that you just pick up and run on. You know, it's, it's a very, very touchy system and you will really mess yourself up if you're not careful with it. 
So trying to gain a grasp on blood working, you need to understand how blood works in the body. So it's a force of life and energy for every part. So without blood, your limbs fall into necrosis and will start decaying. They will actually start eating themselves and your body will eat itself from the inside out. Um, it, it's possible even the reason for the body having a magnetic field around it is because of your blood and because of the small, very small, minute amount of iron that's in your blood. Okay, there isn't much, but it is still a significant a significant amount regarding where it is. You know, a lot of people think that that's where your aura comes from, is from your actual blood emitting a magnetic field around your body, right? I thought that was pretty cool when I looked it up, when I first found out about it. So if you don't think blood's magnetic, you need to go onto YouTube, go onto the internet, and I don't really say this very often, but you gotta look into this yourself, okay? So go onto YouTube and type up um, um, blood magnetism, right? It's going to show you a couple really cool videos about people putting magnets near blood and seeing how it reacts. It's pretty dope. Um, but I like to see the science related to the, the rituals that I'm working with and seeing the connection that it makes without actually saying, this is magic, you know? without actually saying, you know, this is where your aura comes from or without, you know, giving you that, that direct input because it, it kind of solidifies that I'm not crazy, you know, it kind of makes me think a little bit more that this is actually grounded in science because when, when you when you can see exactly how much of a play blood has in your own body, when you give that as an offering even, like it's, that's the amount of power. That is the essence of you. That is everything that makes you you, right? It's, it's everything that keeps your body running and you're offering that up to make sure that you can, you know, that you can control the outcome of the situation. And I think there's something really powerful about that, that you're willing to give, you know, the, like your personal self up. And so it's one of those things that's really powerful if you know how to use it. But a lot of times it's, you know, that dude that watched Charmed or he, you know, he saw some movie, he watched, uh, what is it? He watched Twilight one time. And now, you know, he's some kind of, he's some kind of necromancer. And th those are the dudes that I kind of got to laugh at because, man, they do some dumb shit. You know, I, I've seen my, my fair share of dudes faking stuff, but when it, when it comes to, when it comes to faking it, you, you really got to watch what you're doing and make sure you don't accidentally do something right because you will regret that one. You know, and another thing I kind of wanted to talk about is, you know, with me talking about necromancy a little bit, you know, I also like to spin it into what it's like living with spirits because, you know, I'm really fairly in tune with this stuff. My wife is super in tune with this stuff and my daughter is retarded in tune with this stuff, you know. Like everybody, I like going to haunted houses and I like to talk to spirits and I like to use mirrors 
and you know i like to i like to call stuff in i like to call spirits to protect the house you know my ancestors and spirits that i work with very closely that's how i you know that's how i kind of tie everything together is you know a lot of times i will you know i'll, I'll bloodlet my house or i'll bloodlet the um the runes that guard my house you know that are at my front door and my back door and you know i'll put i'll put a little piece of myself into that right so um when i when i protect my house that's exactly how i do it i welcome all the spirits in with good intent and uh, you know and I, I bring them all into the house and i just kind of don't think much of it so this freaks a lot of people out that come to my house, you know, because they also see, feel, and hear things that they normally don't. So it's pretty cool. You know, I don't necessarily mind it. Most of my friends who know who I am, they know what to expect. And realistically, it's their fault for coming over at that point. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of little shit, you know, doors closing, um, you know, uh, cabinets opening on their own. My daughter used to have this thing where she would knock on a door and it would just open when she couldn't even reach the doorknob. So that was pretty cool. And she just hides her toys all over the house in rooms that there's no way she could have got into. And it's, it's the craziest thing. My daughter is absolutely in tune with this and it's amazing. Um, but around the house when we're drinking and hanging out, you know, spirits like to party too, man. They were people too. And I, if I'm partying, I will 100% put some whiskey on my altar so that the spirits that are in my house can party with us, okay? Do not leave your homies out. But uh, I think the spirits just want to drink with us. So I pour a shot for them. And, you know, why should they not be able to enjoy what, what we enjoy? So sometimes they're, they're family, sometimes they're friends, sometimes, you know, I don't know what they are. I just know that they're not causing any harm. I have no problem with them just chilling here, you know. So I usually trust that I can tell the difference and in their intent and I can properly deal with the situation at hand. If you haven't gathered this, I've done this for quite a while, okay? Not tooting my own horn, but I've done this for quite a while, okay? I love demonology. I love learning about spirits. And I love working with random spirits that just chill in my house. Because if you're going to be here, you're going to pay rent. Okay? That's the philosophy. Do not let them stay for free. Use them. But um, recently, my house was more active than normal. And my baby monitor had been picking stuff up. You know? And this stuff isn't my daughter's protector, which normally I wouldn't worry about, and I would just brush it off. You know, my daughter's becoming more agitated, and the more it comes around, she's getting worse off. So it's talked to her, and at first she would babble back, and she kind of talked to it a little bit, and now she's been getting more freaked out, and it's coming around less, okay? And that's when you need to worry. When kids start getting freaked out, they know shit you don't, okay? always pay attention to that so now she's been getting more freaked out and it's come around less so i i don't think it's malicious so i let it be but i ask it not to interact with my daughter you know feel free to stick around but do not mess with my daughter okay 
I, I like the feeling of protection and closeness that my house has, but on the same hand, if, you know, my wife or my daughter has a problem with someone or something, you know, you kind of have to put everything in perspective of what comes first. Is me playing with spirits first or is me making sure that my family feels safe in their own house come first? And, you know, that's a no-brainer. But um, the problem comes in when my wife doesn't like the spirits in our house. You know, this is what I want to get into is how to cope with letting spirits stay without causing problems with your friends and family and whoever comes over as much as possible without disrespecting the spirits that are there, right? I've placed certain stops on my house. You know, I have sigils on my doors, like I said. Um, I have a cursed broom that my wife puts at our back door and we've made sure that no one is comfortable in our house unless they can respect our house, right? We've seen how people are when they're not willing to be respectful and it's hilarious. They squirm until they eventually leave and they will just sit in a corner and just be the most awkward person you've ever seen in your life. So my wife fairly, was fairly new to witchcraft and she's been learning over, you know, probably like the last year. And it's been a fun journey, but she's been uncomfortable with me working with demons, especially after I did my first invocation, which I'll talk about later. That's a good story. Make sure you're here for that one. Um, she's aware of the altar that I use to pay respects to, you know, her ancestors as well. And, you know... I worship ancestors. This was one of our first talks when we got married, you know, and she can feel her ancestors when they're here as well as I can. And it seems to be when we have poltergeist type interaction that she gets worried. Uh, you know, my daughter's crib started rocking and certain things have been moved around the house and she sees it as malevolent rather than just playing, you know. So I try to reason with the spirits when it gets out of hand, like when they played with my daughter's toys when we were sleeping. You know, I only allow spirits who are respectful to stay in my house. If they don't listen, you know, you have to leave. And at that point, you know, I only ask once, okay? So before I ask a spirit to leave, I'll usually meditate on it and call the entity to, you know, come talk to me. And, you know, I haven't really had anyone refuse to come talk to me. Most of the time, if they're making themselves known, if you say, hey, come let me know you, they're, they're totally down for it, okay? That's the worrisome part though, okay? If they're not scared to talk to you, sometimes that's not good. But I'll learn about them and we'll have a little time to bullshit around and I'll directly tell them what the problem is and what needs to happen, okay? It feels very casual, but it'll feel weird the first couple of times because you don't know exactly what you're talking with or you know how you're, how you're communicating with them. And it's, it's kind of weird, but it's a pretty dope feeling. Um, once you know the entities in your house, it makes it easier to talk to them and you'll start to know, you know, why they are there, right? It becomes mutually beneficial. And like I said, everybody in my house pays rent. So if I need you, help me out. So once the conversation's been had, if the activity keeps happening, it'll directly call whatever is causing the problem by name, right? You have to call them by name. Everything responds to its name. You know, I'll bring it in my house, I'll set, you know, my entire house up as an altar and place candles at every corner of my house, okay? That is something that you kind of have to be in tune to, okay? I set all my altars to the north, 
All right, so if you set up, uh, alter the size of your house, you have to know which direction is north, you know, if you're me, or however you set that up. But I'll set one big altar at the north point, and then I'll set all the candles around my house, you know, as they need to be set up, you know. And, you know, I moved to the center of the house, and I burn my herbs, you know, black and white seven-day candles, you know, I do my whole, my whole spiel, and I clear the energy at the furthest north, south point of the house, and then I let the entity know that you're not welcome within the space of my altar. You need to leave the area. Okay, that's powerful, all right? There's no salt rings, you know, because, you know, those work, but you don't want to block everything, all right? This has always worked pretty freaking flawless, all right? I call on Odin, I call on Tyr, I call on Thor. Those are who I work with most of the time, you know? If I feel the entity is evil, I'll call on the more again since she is, you know, someone that I am very, very close to, you know? And it's, it's been for a very long time, all right? Um, but most importantly, I pay attention to what's happening around me. I feel the energy in the house and it helps to clean up small stuff and you know here and there but if that ever starts to feel uncomfortable you know talk to the spirits if you aren't malicious you know they'll come out and if you talk to them you know even casually when you come into the house you know it's it's like you have a relationship with everything inside your house you're like a big happy family that just you know stops by whenever they want make them feel at home and then mutually respect each other. Once that respect stops on their end though, done deal, they're gone. But you do need to be capable of getting rid of them at any point, okay? I'm, I, I definitely, definitely pride myself on the fact that I have an A-type personality, okay? Very much an alpha male. And I do hold my house sacred, but I also welcome people in, right? I welcome entities in. And anybody who wants to chill in my house, as long as they return the same hospitality, you know, it's cool. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really knowing if I was going to post another video today, so this one was kind of off the cusp. Uh, I know I covered quite a bit, but I kind of, you know, I kind of wanted to get a little bit more in this one, so... You know, so I can have a pretty solid feel up for a while since I might not be able to do much tomorrow. But for sure, if you like the content so far, like, subscribe, follow me, because the next one that I do is going to be when I talk about my voluntary possession with Astaroth. And that one had a lot of significance that I didn't understand until after I had already done the working and I'll get into that a little bit too. If you've ever thought about doing a, you know, a voluntary possession or an evocation, you know, fucking be here and, you know, subscribe so that you can get that information when I put it up because it is a fun story and it changed everything about how I see the world. Okay, 100% it changed everything that I see about the world and how I see people. And it, it gave me a very solid connection to Astaroth, which was dope. But I'm going to let you guys go. I will see you again, hopefully. 
uh, go ahead, like, and subscribe again and leave a comment. Let me know what I can do to fix this or, you know, let me know what I'm doing good so I can keep doing it. Thank you for your time.